This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on Monday afternoon, September the 13th, 2021. Travis Ryer and Charlie Potter, your friendly, accessible BOL staff members here with you on the latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast. The Alabama Crimson Tide coming off a 48-14 win over the FCS Mercer Bears last Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium, officially shift their attention fully. May have been diverted a little bit even last week based on some of the things we heard from Mick Saban, but it is officially Florida Week. The SEC opener for the Alabama Crimson Tide should be a challenge going on the road to take on a 2-0 Florida team that has been exceptionally explosive on the offensive side of the ball. Are you ready, Charlie? Are you ready, for the start of SEC play, I am, uh, you know, hydrate, hydrating right now because I know how hot it's going to be down Ooh. in Gainesville. I will mm-hmm. say that was that was one of the beauties of Saturday's game at Bryant Denny. Um, I think most people know that the press box has since been moved from the one side of the stadium on the fifty to the corner of the other, kind of right behind the the visiting section. And uh, last year. Um, it was hot in the press box. It's closed, but once it gets about 1 p.m., the sun's just in your face the rest of the game. Uh, but they've tinted the windows. They've done some painting to kind of help uh, not reflect the sun as much. And I, I, I didn't think I would say this, but it almost got a little chilly in the press box. Oh, on, my goodness. Uh, Saturday. I don't think that'll be the case in Gainesville. I've never been, <laughs> so this will be my first trip down to the swamp. But I am nonetheless, regardless of what happens, I'm expecting it to be hot, to be balmy, and, and I'm hydrated to, to gear up for it. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's still the case at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, but it used to be one of those open-air press boxes that was really cool. And, yeah, you could get a little hot. Uh, on the September afternoons in that scenario, but you were not looking into the sun as best I recall. Not sure where they're at with that facility these days, but it has been a cool place to catch games in the past, not so much from a weather perspective. (laughs) Some of the very hottest games I've attended involve the Florida Gators. One with Florida in Steve Spurrier's debut season as head coach of the Gators, 1990. Florida traveled to Bryant-Denny Stadium back when Alabama still had the artificial turf, not even field turf, artificial turf, and it was brutally hot for an early kickoff that day. And then 1986, Alabama, Mike Shula, then the starting quarterback for Alabama, that was like an early afternoon kick 
back in 86, gosh, what's that, 35 years ago now? Really dating myself. Uh, <laughs> that was a brutally hot game. But you know, some of the weather forecasts right now showing 60% chance of rain on Saturday. So maybe some unwanted precipitation. We'll talk about that more as we move throughout the week. What we want to talk with you first and foremost about, Charlie, is an update that we got from Nick Saban during his Monday news conference the collective breath of the Alabama fan base was being restrained until we heard from Nick Saban in regards to Will Anderson. Will, of course, took a bit of a cut block from Mercer uh, in that win on Saturday, leapt off the field, ended up going to the uh, locker room facility, and there were some rumblings. And then we heard from Nick Saban post game. What did we hear from Nick Saban? Um, that that made you think maybe we'll see the usual Will Anderson on Saturday in Gainesville. Yeah, I mean, he came out in, in his opening statement and said that um, you know what they've seen from Will's been very encouraging, and I think, like you said, the fan base kind of breathed a collective sigh of relief. And um, you know, he said he's probably going to take the day off today, which you know, that's not that surprising. And then he'll be day to day moving forward. But uh, overall, they feel more comfortable or not comfortable, a little more encouraged uh, than they did after the game. And uh, they're going to see how he progresses throughout the course of the league. That's, you know, just typical um, saving banter when he talks about injuries. But it, it is encouraging because you know, he did limp off the field, went to the sideline medical tent. But it was it was good to see him uh, walk off under his own power. He walked to the locker room really with no noticeable limp, although he was flanked by what looked like every member of Alabama's training staff. And, you know, that's, that's to be expected given the, the caliber of player that he is, but it looks like Alabama dodged a bullet. And, um, you know, with the injury to Chris Allen, you know, that's already a big blow. And if Will Anderson was set to miss any amount of time, that's, um, that's playing some inexperienced players off the edge you know, when you're getting into SEC play. So that's less than ideal. But we'll see how it goes throughout the week. Um, you know, we'll hear from Nick Saban again Wednesday morning and Wednesday night. And then I'm sure you know he'll get asked about it on his radio show come Thursday. So we'll probably get plenty more Will Anderson updates throughout the week. But I think a lot of fans were, were very encouraged by the encouraging uh, prognosis that Nick Saban delivered earlier today. What about a couple of other defensive starters for Alabama? two corners that missed Saturday's game against Mercer. Uh, sounds like the practice week might get off to an active start for those guys as well. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh Job and Jalen Armour Davis, um, you know, weren't in uniform on Saturday. So we saw uh, Marcus Banks and Kool-Aid McKinstry make their first career start. So I thought both of those guys actually played pretty well, all things considered. Um, but, you know, Nick Saban said after the game that, uh, they, they held those guys out. Their injuries were a little um, more severe than they anticipated in the, the fact that they were probably going to give it a go, but they just decided to hold them out. But yeah, they're expected to, to practice today, which is a good sign. Um, you know, they're going to, again, they're going to you know, see where they are in practice, see how they progress over the course of the week, things like that. But, you know, he was optimistic after the game that those guys would be back. And uh, it sounds like that optimism has continued. But again, I think it's encouraging that both Kool-Aid and Marcus Banks played well. Both guys got a pick in the game. They're going to obviously see stiffer competition if they're still to be out there. But uh, I think that experience will benefit them moving forward. So all in all, coming out of the game, other than Will Anderson, which is like saying, well, you know, other than Mike Trout for the Angels, <laughs> 
<laughs> Anaheim came out of it in pretty good shape or LA, whatever they go by these days. Um, this team looks to be in, in decent health, as you've noted in some previous podcasts and for us there at BamaOnline.com. Not a team that's totally been avoid nicks and bumps and bruises, but I guess relatively speaking, in decent shape. I would say so. Um, you know, it was good to see DeMarco Hellams back on the field uh, in Saturday's home opener. He played well at the safety spot opposite of uh, Jordan Battle. And, um, you know, it was interesting to see kind of how the secondary shook out because we saw Brian Branch maintain that uh, spot at the star while Malachi Moore is kind of the, the backup safety behind the two starters. And uh, that goes to show the, the preseasons that Battle, Hellams, and Branch have all put together collectively. I think that's more of the job they've done than the job that Malachi Moore hasn't done. So, um, you know, that was a good one. Um, you know, for the most part, I think everybody else is, is good to go. We, we've seen some guys um, that haven't practiced or haven't been available in games. Shane Lee has been out of uniform in the first two games. Um, you know, he's someone that's been dealing with injury throughout the preseason. Uh, Nick Saban said that Kamar Wheaton is dealing with an injury. He didn't disclose exactly what, but I think it occurred in one of the scrimmages um, earlier in the preseason. We haven't seen him yet. Um, you know, Major Tennyson, Caden Clark weren't uh, dressed for the game, and you know that kind of cut down the the tight end position. But we've seen more of Jalil Billingsley, and then I think another big one uh, is is LeBron Ray. I think the defensive line had played well. Uh, but you know, if you can get a healthy little Brian Ray out there, he can give you some more pass rush and, and make up for some of the loss that, that you have at outside linebackers. So yeah, that's pretty much, you know, off the top of my head, the guys that are, that are dealing with things, but all things considered and, and given, like we just talked about the, the prognosis for Will Anderson at this point in the week, it, it's pretty good for Alabama. So let's go around this Alabama football team as it prepares to enter or has entered Florida week, a big one, no doubt about that. And let's start on the offensive side of the ball with the quarterback position. I know Nick, during his Monday news conference, was asked a couple of times about Bryce Young and where he's at and his development, how he feels about Bryce going into his not only first SEC start, but first SEC road start this week down in Gainesville. And based on the comments, from Saban, he continues to echo what we heard even leading up to the Miami game that it seems like Charlie in Nick Saban's mind, the quarterback position on his list of concerns for the offense isn't as high as some people might think. He's got some other positions. It sounds like that he would like to see continue to elevate its play all in all uh, Nick. And I'm sure part of this too, is you, you want to keep your quarterback psyche uh, in a good place, especially when he's just a second-year player. Uh, Nick sounds pretty confident in what he's got with Bryce going into to Florida week. Yeah, he does, and and that's been the the drumbeat really since the spring. Um, I don't know if that's just trying to to continue to pump Bryce with confidence. I don't think that's something he's lacking necessarily. Uh, but he's continued to have nothing but good things to say about Bryce. And I did ask him, you know, just what you tell your quarterback going into his first road start because. Yes, Bryce is going into his second year, but this will be the first time he's on the road in front of a full crowd because last year you had limited capacity stadiums due to the pandemic. But, um, you know, he just talked about you're playing with poise, but that's one thing that, that Bryce has done in, in both games is uh, be able to keep his poise and uh, stay focused on the things that they want him to do. So, you know, again, he's continued to, to have good things to say about Bryce. Bryce, um, 
you know, he came up earlier today as well and uh, said what you would expect him to say, you know, talk about how important preparation is this week and, you know, getting communication down because they are expecting it to be a hostile environment. But yeah, I mean, continue to have good things to say about Bryce and I, I assume you're probably going to ask about it, but he, he even talked about the backup quarterback position mm-hmm. and, you know, getting those guys experience um, in both of the, the games they played so far. And, you know, he was outright asked who is the backup quarterback uh, behind Bryce Young and he said right now it's Paul Tyson uh, being the second guy and, and Jalen Milrow is a little bit of a de- developmental guy but he's doing the things that he does well um, on the field and that's clearly running the football so I think all three guys bring a different skill set and um, you know they continue to want to get the the backup some experience because if something happens to Bryce hypothetically down the road um you know, they can maybe use both of them because Paul Tyson's been effective as a passer. And we've seen, um, you know, in the Mercer game, what Jalen Milrow can do with his legs. So it's a, it's a roundup of where things stand at the quarterback position right now. Yeah, it sounds or it seems as if something, God forbid, did happen to Bryce Young that put him on the shelf for an extended stretch. You might almost have to use both those quarterbacks if you wanted to try to continue to access the full offensive scheme, the full playbook because their respective skill sets and even where each is at in their development is a little bit different, a good bit different, to be honest with you. And so to keep as much as possible in play on the offensive side of the ball, it it might require something more along a a two-quarterback system, which we certainly have not seen in the Nick Saban era. Here's a little stat for you. Alabama, under Nick Saban, has started six first-year starters at quarterback in matchups against Dan Mullen coach teams at both Mississippi State and Florida. Of course, Dan Mullen yet to record a win against Alabama as a head coach at either Mississippi State or Florida. So I guess you're not surprised to learn that Alabama's six and oh in those games with first year starters at quarterback against Dan Mullen. Bryce Young gonna try to make it seven and oh on Saturday. Running back position charlie uh nick saban was asked about that spot again and look i'm guessing if you're the florida gators anybody but Najee harris on saturday (laughs) will be just fine right if you're ventrell miller you're that florida defense you just do not want to see anybody in number 22 because that will go down and continues to go down as one of the greatest individual performances in Alabama football history, what Najee Harris did against the Gators in Atlanta back in December. But with this group, um, you know, Nick pointed out some things he'd like to see improved upon during his Monday news conference. And um, did you detect anything from Saturday's game that might indicate they're starting to try to figure out a more defined approach at the position? Maybe a little. Yeah, I mean, I think Brian Robinson's played well uh, in both games. And, you know, last game, I think he averaged seven yards a carry. He's been running hard. And um, again, you know, we've we've talked about it when when previewing the season. He's not the guy that's going to be the receiver out of the backfield. He had a drop in the game and that's just not his strong suit. But when you need tough yards, Brian Robinson's going to be the guy to give it to you. And then, you know, Jace McClellan's more of an all around back and Nick Saban said as much, um, you know, in, in recent weeks. And, you know, he, he said that Jace played really well in the game, and he did. He scored three different touchdowns three different ways um, you know, via special teams as a runner and as a receiver. And, and I think you know, the other backs can bring that as well. Uh, Trey Sanders is someone that, as he continues to get healthy and comfortable, 
uh, can be that kind of dual threat out of the backfield as a, a runner and a receiver. And you know, Roy Dell Williams, um, you know, he's, you know, Nick Saban's pointed out the, the fumbles he's had, and that's always going to get a running back in the doghouse. But I think with Brian and, and Jace and as Trey gets healthy, that's going to kind of be the, the trio they'll, they'll use and, and run out there. And, you know, Nick Saban's talked about it, um, all off season long and even today you know he's he's pleased with what the running backs are doing i think the running game as a whole uh they want to see more of them late in games to be able to to milk the clock and you know, take the air out of the ball um you know but i think teams are also noticing that's what they want to do and you know they they're stacking the box and, and trying to take it away from them so um overall i think they're pleased with with what the running backs are brought to the table but you're right you're starting to get more of defined roles from those guys and maybe what we'll see moving forward Wide receivers and tight ends. Um, continuation of Cam Latou is the top tight end in that rotation. Uh, it was a UA debut for Robbie Oots on Saturday against Mercer. We sort of projected that to be in the not-too-distant future after he didn't see the field against Miami in the opener. Uh, Jalil Billingsley we saw earlier in the game Saturday, Charlie, but how much do you think that had to do with uh, Major Tennyson uh, not being available for for Mercer, or do you think this is what we've kind of been working toward all along? I think it's maybe a little of both because you're right. I mean, Major Tennyson wasn't in uniform; uh, there wasn't a, a reason given for that. But um, you know, I, I think Billingsley is digging his way out of the hole that he's been in, and um, you know, it, he's a guy that has experience against Florida and is obviously a new team, but. Yeah, he's someone that could be a, a valuable asset down in Gainesville along with Cameron Latou. We didn't see the the tight ends really get involved much in the Mercer game, uh, but you know we saw Kendall Randolph used quite a bit as that six offensive lineman, that pseudo tight end. Uh, Latou was used quite a bit as well, and, and Billingsley, like you said, got in the game earlier. I think it has to do though a, a little with Major Tennyson, but also again the the maturation and the progress of of him and, and his situation. So, um, you know, if they can get Billingsley back on track and, you know, being a consistent performer in this offense, I think that'll help out Bryce Young and company. Wide receiver. It wasn't the greatest of starts to the game against Mercer for Jamison Williams. He had a drop. He had a personal foul. Not long thereafter. Yes. It appeared as if he was baited pretty good by the Mercer defensive back, but I guess with Trayshawn going, um, excuse me, with Jamison going to the sideline early, we did see Trayshawn Holden come onto the field there for a little bit in the first quarter. But, you know, ultimately it seems as if JoJo Earl is the guy that we continue to hear more and more and see more and more things from uh, as we get a couple of three weeks into this season. Uh, the importance of that, Charlie, to go along with a proven guy and, John Mechie and and some of the good things you've seen from Jamison Williams so far this season. Yeah, I think whenever he's composed and not playing emotional, you know, Jamison Williams is obviously a, a big part of this offense. And he, you know, he he calmed down and he scored a touchdown in the game, and um, you know, he was the third leading receiver in terms of uh, receptions and yards. So you know, he's a guy that I think is going to continue to be um, you know a key asset for for Bryce Young to to work with. And I think with you know, Jamison Williams and John Mechie, those are really the first two receivers that Nick Saban's mentioned 
uh, for a long time now. And, um, you know, those are the top two guys. I think with, you know, Jamison going out because of, um, you know, losing his helmet and losing his cool, uh, we've seen that Treshawn Holden is kind of that next man up as a split end. And, um, you know, that's not all that surprising. I think some people wonder about maybe a, a Javon Baker. I know people are still, you know, wanting to see more of a Jai Hall, but you know, Treshawn Holden has a good rapport with Bryce Young and, um, and, and I think he's progressed pretty well uh, this off season. But yeah, I mean, if if it wasn't clear before, uh, it, it's clear now that Joe Doral is going to be a big part of this offense, and he's going to continue to push uh, Slade Bolden. Slade is a, a reliable target, both as a receiver and um, as a return man. But you know, JoJo Earl, you don't really hear Nick Saban make comparisons very often. But you know, last week on his radio show, he pulled out the Jalen Waddle card. He and, went straight uh, Waddle. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's that's not very um, you know, customary for him to do. So uh, I think that says a lot about what they you know, see in JoJo, the potential that he has. And, you know, he's, he's a guy that had 85 receiving yards, um, you know, mixed with the, the punt returns he had later in the game. He led all players in all-purpose yards with 130. So, um, yeah, I, I think we'll just continue to see what Nick Saban called little number 10 out there and, and making a big contribution. Didn't have a tight end with a catch in the game against Mercer. Um, and again, understanding you watch the game real time. And even if you watch it a second time, Alabama was as basic formationally, schematically, personnel groupings. That was sort of an A-day approach to a fall game plan against an FCS opponent. So uh, not going to show everything. And again, we talk about that in relation to Jalil Billingsley. Yeah, this week might not be a bad week to get Jalil going a little bit there in the passing game. What about the offensive line, Charlie? Um, Again, similar to just the passing game in general, not the best of starts to the game against Mercer with a sack given up on the first third down for Alabama. Uh, Nick Saban was asked specifically on Monday about Darian Dockwart and Chris Owens at the center and right tackle positions, respectively. Some Alabama fans, let's face it, we're on the roundtable message board a good bit, and they would love to see some alterations, I guess we could say, to maybe that starting lineup. I'm just not sure if on the road at Florida in week three is the time you want to do that. No. I mean, um, Florida has just as many sacks as Alabama does through the first two games, and Zachary Carter has been effective for them with three sacks. So they're going to be facing a a talented and pretty veteran uh, defensive front down there in Gainesville. And um, I I think with having a a 60-year senior like Chris Owens, you probably keep him in the lineup for that. Um, It was interesting to see you know, what happened when Chris Owens lost his helmet, because in the first game we saw J.C. Latham come in, uh, I think, Chris needs to probably tighten up that chin strap a little bit, but um, it was it was Damian George off the bench, and we we know from Nick Saban, um, you know, after the the first game that Damian George wasn't available uh, for the Miami game, or at least they didn't utilize him. Uh, but you know, he was the first guy off the bench there, so uh, I still think you know we're seeing J.C. Latham get a little comfortable. He played some right guard. Uh, in the second half, whenever the twos got in the game, so they're still kind of mixing and matching there. But you know, Nick Saban said that um, both Dalcourt and Owens have done a fairly uh, decent job, just in terms of you know their execution. Um, you know, both players, of course, would say they have things to clean up, 
And, um, you know, the, the thing that they've tried to focus on is improvement and development. And uh, they want to establish and develop more depth on that offensive line. They were able to do that a little bit uh, in Saturday's game. Maybe not the case you know, going into the Florida game. But I don't really think this is, like you said, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think this is the time to really uh, be mixing things up going into a hostile environment where communication up front is going to be key. So having guys like Evan Neal and, and Chris Owens on the outside with, you know, some guys that have played well in, in Ekior and, and Cohen in the interior, I think having that group that's been together will be key going into a loud and, and hostile environment. Yeah, you know, people always talk about, well, they got a first-year starter going on the road for the first time and Bryce Young. No one says anything about a first-year starter at center going on the road with him, you know, and this guy's got to make line calls and checks and and identify fronts and do all that on Saturday against what you alluded to there, a, a capable Florida defensive line that you're right. I think Zachary Carter is the guy that you're most interested in this year because he is one of those guys that early downs, you could very well see him against Evan Neal at defensive end. And then in obvious pass rush situations, much like we see Alabama do, uh, with their defensive ends, like a Jonathan Allen and others, like to get him inside on those guards. You know, maybe Javion Cohen, maybe Emil Echior. So some different looks coming from for Alabama this week and some capable guys. Brenton Cox Jr. on the edge for Florida. It's been more hype than production to this point, but he's certainly a talented, talented dude that Chris Owens, assuming he's still in place there at right tackle, figures to see a pretty good bit on saturday hey we're going to take a quick break here on the bama online podcast when we come back charlie potter and myself we're going to go over to the defensive side of the ball we'll get into some special teams as well the latest state of the tide edition of the bama online podcast back with more of the show right after this get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast on a Monday afternoon, September the 13th, 2021. Charlie, in the first half of the pod, we talked about injuries. We talked about the offensive side of the ball. Let's move over to defense, and let's start in the secondary because it was certainly a lightning rod for discussion going into Saturday's game, last Saturday's game against Mercer, and coming out after giving up a couple of explosive plays for touchdowns in the second half. You talked about the statuses of Jalen Armour Davis and also Josh Job, who did not appear in week two for Alabama. The expectation that they would return to the practice field on this Monday, see how they go throughout the remainder of the week. But you also hit on the fact that Marcus Banks and Kool-Aid McKinstry were pretty damn good in their places. Now, look, Mercer's not going to sort of bring to mind, say, like 96 Florida's fun and gun when it comes (laughs) to throwing the football around. But I guess the bigger point is when Alabama had issues in that second half, it wasn't 
the first year starters that were primarily primarily responsible for those. No, I mean, I, I think some of it can be chalked up to miscommunication. You know, we saw Jordan Battle uh, kind of making a, a case for that, and I think we're supposed to hear from. Or we might not. Never mind. I think we're supposed to hear from Christian Harris tomorrow. I was going to say we could get more on that from Jordan on Tuesday. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think with some moving parts, there might have been some miscommunication, and, and that's to be expected. And if you're going to want to have that, you're you're going to want it to happen in a game against Mercer. Um, but I do think that that and you know the explosive plays go hand in hand, and you know that's not something that's going to make Nick Saban happy. But I do think that with those guys being kind of pushed into those roles, um, you know, I, I thought they played well. Um, McKinstry and Banks both had interceptions. Um, you know, they, they kind of went after them a good bit and, you know, they made some tackles and pass breakups. That's what you want to see from those uh, corners. And um, I think the secondary, um, I don't think it's a, a reason for concern. Now, if they go into Gainesville and have the same problems, then probably so. But I think they can clean that up. And if, you know, Job and Jalen Armour Davis are, are back in the lineup, then I think there's better communication across the board. I mean, it's worth also noting that, you know, Mark, uh, DeMarco Helms is, is back in there and that's a, a new face as well. So it just could be with so many, you know, different pieces moving around that the guys are on the same page. And, um, you know, it's going to be important for them to be whenever, um, you know, they're playing in a, in a hostile environment. It won't be as loud for them as it will be, uh, Alabama's offense because you know, the crowd will be quiet for, for the Florida offense, but they're going to want to clean those things up for sure. Going into Gainesville. Yeah. And with Mercer being what it is offensively and so much base defense on the field for Alabama, I think you could make an argument that by being in base so much, Alabama doesn't have the luxury of having a couple of its very best overall defenders on the field because when they're in that four-man secondary you don't have the star position out there you don't have the money and the dime so I would think keeping Malachi Moore and Brian Branch on the sidelines as much as possible might not be a bad approach for Florida this week but the Gators base out of 11 personnel with three wide receivers so as crazy as it sounds, given how explosive Florida has been through two games, might be a good thing for Alabama to get more of those guys on the field. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, I think, too, you, you look at this game, um, and Mercer came in, and I think in their first game, they rushed for almost 550 yards on the ground. And defensively, Alabama was able to to really deny them from doing that. And I think the, for the first two games, we've seen a lot of that from Florida. You know, They've been able to get a lot of things accomplished from their run game. And of course, having two uh, mobile quarterbacks helps with that. So I think that aspect from this game will benefit Alabama, but you're right. I mean, um, getting Brian branch on the field is important because, you know, outside of Will Anderson and the terror that uh, he was in the preseason, I, I've said it before on the podcast. I don't know if I heard as much positive buzz about another defensive player as I did Brian branch. So He's someone that is versatile. He can play every position in the secondary, and I think they want to get him on the field as much as possible. And so when you do have you know, a, a lapse in communication or just a, a mental error uh, in the secondary and he's not on the field, you, know, you kind of put two and two together that you need your best guy out there. So uh, that will definitely help. And I also think that you know, given the way that they've been able to stop the run, that's going to be beneficial you know, going against a team like Florida. Absolutely. It'll start on early downs and runs and 
quarterback runs being more a part of that for sure, even more than what Alabama saw from Derek King in the season opener. But yeah, you're able to get it to those passing situations. And whereas you typically don't think about blitzing, you know, guys like Richardson and Jones as much, maybe, uh, maybe you do that this week because Florida, like Alabama, a lot to replace on the outside. Jacob Copeland is very capable. But if you're Pete Golding and Nick Saban, you might say these other guys are going to have to show us something. We're going to man them up and maybe bring an extra guy uh, in the pass rush from time to time and maybe try to get after Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson a little bit this week. Hey, let's talk about linebackers. Certainly the Will Anderson storyline, Charlie, chief among those at that position. But Drew Sanders, how about the youngster with a couple of solid plays in the win over Mercer, a couple of pass breakups, one that led to the interception by Kool-Aid McKinstry. I'd say to this point, and certainly there are bigger, bigger challenges coming as soon as this week. Drew Sanders has been about what you could have hoped he would be in place of Christopher Allen. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I think um, held contained really well in this game, especially with just the so much movement and motions up front that, that Mercer you know, threw you know, toward the Alabama defense. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of talked about it going into the game, kind of what to expect uh, from a guy like Drew Sanders. He is kind of that true Sam linebacker where he can get after the passer. He can be a, um, you know effective rusher off the edge, but he also can drop in coverage. And those two pass breakups are indicative of that. And, you know, it was obviously very beneficial for, for Kool-Aid McKinstry, and he made a good read on the play, but it doesn't happen without Drew Sanders. So, um yeah, you know, I know a lot was made of the the Will Anderson injury, and deservedly so. Uh, I, I think you know it, it doesn't take much to make a case for for Will being Alabama's best player on either side of the ball. But when you have these young guys like uh, Sanders and Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner stepping in and, and doing a nice job, it makes up for the loss of a guy like Chris Allen, who was obviously very effective. So yeah, I mean, I, I think hats off to Drew. He he played well in the game, and uh, that, that's a tough first draw for a start because. You know, you're you're going against a team and an offense that you're never going to see this again the rest of the season. So you go back to kind of doing what you usually do the next week. But this is just you know, they're going to throw the kitchen sink at you in terms of what you're going to see from a look standpoint. And I thought he did pretty well. Did a nice job, I thought, in sort of diagnosing, uh, you know, a, a pass play early in the game. His first pass breakup. Uh, he checks the run, and then he drops into coverage, ends up recovering quite nicely. He looks like he might give up a reception out there in the left flat, but he gets there just in time to get a hand in. So a lot of promising stuff from Drew Sanders, and obviously really need Will Anderson this week. But uh, if the worst-case scenario sort of plays out, Drew Sanders at least – with the Christopher Allen injury has gotten a good bit of reps, including against Miami in week one, but certainly could bring Chris Braswell into this thing, Charlie, depending on how the week goes. And then once you get past Chris Braswell, if you don't have Anderson, is it King Wakuda? Uh, is it Dallas Turner first in, in that next group? Where are you at at that point? Yeah, I, I would give the nod to the freshman. You know, we've seen him in both games. We haven't seen just a ton of King Makuta, even though he got on the field uh, Saturday. So, you know, it's kind of in the pecking order. You, you look at it. Um, 
Alabama kind of updated their depth chart a little bit, and you had uh, Dallas Turner behind Sanders at the Sam linebacker, and you had Will Anderson and Chris Braswell as the Jack. So I, I would go with, I mean, you know, the, the depth chart, obviously, you take it with a grain of salt, but I would I would go with that. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, of course, how effective Will Anderson is if he's available and in the game. But, you know, when they might want to rotate him out uh, just because he's you know coming off of a, an injury, if we do see a little bit more of, um, you know, Dallas Turner and, and Chris Braswell. So I, I would give the nod to the freshman at this point. You know, things can always change and going on the road. If they're going to want to use four outside linebackers, maybe they go with the King Makuta. But that hasn't been what we've seen up to this point. Inside linebacker, a couple of solid performances once again from your starters, Christian Harris. Henry Toa Toa, good to see Toa Toa out there after he had the injury scare there in the second half against Miami. And then you get into sort of the depth of that position. You start seeing uh, Jalen Moody, and there's that other true freshman once again in Deontay Lawson. Yeah, I mean, the first two inside linebackers have played well all year long, and you're right. I mean, you know, watching pregame warm-ups, um, you know, Henry Toa Toa's right arm was just wrapped and wrapped and wrapped to, to protect <laughs> that elbow, and that's to be expected. But you know, we heard from Henry, Henry last week. He said it was just a little sprain and nothing too serious, and it wasn't. He played in the game, and uh, I thought both of those guys really uh, you know, commanded the defense and did a nice job of – you know, holding Mercer in check from a, a run standpoint and the backups as well. I mean, um, you know, we haven't seen Shane Lee, but Jalen Moody, um, yeah, he looks like the guy that we were talking about in the spring as potentially being, um, you know, a starter and Deontay Lawson looks like he has a really bright future. So, um, you know, the knock on wood, the inside linebacker position hasn't been you know, bit by the injury bug, but you know, what we've seen from outside linebacker and then late in the games from the inside linebacker position and just the depth at both of those spots is is unreal and, and Alabama certainly um you know has the luxury of, of having just a, a pool of players to to deal with yeah and matching up with this Florida offense which you figure is going to be heavy on the quarterback runs and you know requiring some guys being able to make some plays in space should be able to take some real comfort in knowing you got guys like Christian Harris, Henry Toa Toa. You've got depth there very legitimately in the form of uh, Jalen Moody. And then if Will Anderson is himself, I don't think for Florida this week, those wide open spaces are going to quite be the same that they were against Florida Atlantic and USF in the first two games of the season for the Gators. Let's go up front and talk some DL. What about Byron Young in that fast start on Saturday? Charlie, the big man, he wasted no time getting on the TFL scoreboard. No, he, he didn't. And, uh, you know, I, I give out game balls after uh, each game, or at least after each win. And uh, I, I wrote uh, Byron Young's name down pretty quickly, just in terms of trying not to forget about him, you know, come Sunday. And, uh, you know, he led all defensive linemen in tackles with four. You know, he had a couple of uh, tackles for loss, which led the team, and he had one of the three sacks uh, in the game. So I think from uh, you know, you look at the the junior defensive lineman that we oftentimes uh, forget about or overlook, uh, and, and Byron Young's probably the most disruptive of the bunch. And um, you know, of course, with Phil Mathis and what he's been able to do from a consistency standpoint, um, you know, people are always wondering about um, you know a guy like. 
uh, LeBron Ray and his health status. And I think people were really enamored by Tim Smith last year. It's expected that some of these guys that have been in the program uh, get overlooked a little bit. But, you know, Byron Young and DJ Dale and Justin Boyby, they continue to get lots and lots of reps. And uh, I think they've been consistent so far this season. And, yeah, I think Byron Young, um, again, he was explosive. And uh, I think that defensive front, like the linebackers, had a big hand in, in containing Mercer uh, in his run game. Three sacks for Alabama in the first half of the Mercer game, all by defensive linemen, if I'm correct on that. Mm-hmm. So, whereas we talk about these linebackers, and certainly they're capable of getting plenty of pressure in their own right, maybe as encouraging of a sign as you saw from the Alabama defense in an otherwise sort of ho-hum outing against an inferior opponent was seeing these defensive linemen get some pressure on the quarterback of their own. You talked about Tim Smith. Seemed like we saw him earlier though this week um, than maybe we did against Miami and um, LeBron Ray. Is it possible, Charlie, that this has been sort of a target week for Alabama where he's concerned, or you still think maybe we're a little bit away from that? I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just to give him some time because whenever Nick Saban first revealed the injury, he called it a pretty significant groin injury. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen uh, LeBron you know, go back into practice and be back on the field. We've seen him go through warm-ups. He traveled to Atlanta. He was on the field uh, Saturday at Bryant-Denny, but not just doing a time, but he's in full uniform. And I think in an emergency situation, they could probably use him. But I, I think it could be. Um, you know, I'm not sitting here and, and telling everybody to put all their chips in on LeBron Ray being in the starting lineup and having a productive outing in Gainesville. But well, that, I that's what that, I that's what I heard you say, Charlie. <laughs> I heard you say go to Vegas and put everything on it. Now, you know, maybe you're walking. Are you walking back on that? Because I swore that's what I heard. No, I, I will never tell people <laughs> what to do with, with their money. Hard-earned uh, cash. Yeah, I know there's plenty of, of degenerates out there, but I'm not going to be the man <laughs> to steer them that way. But and we love them. We love yeah. them, by the way. We yeah. love you. No judging I just, here. I think people have been waiting for LeBron Ray to to make an impact, and um, maybe it is this week. So we'll, we'll see. I, I think it would be a big week for him to show up, no doubt. Depth is going to be a good thing. You got to think for Alabama and a. 2.30 kickoff in Gainesville, Florida, and knowing that Mullen and that offense, they like to tempo you pretty good, too. You're going to want to be able to run waves, and that could be a real determining factor in this game because I don't think Florida, in terms of its defensive line depth, can match up with the depth that Alabama is able to roll out there, uh, both at nose tackle and end, uh, on a pretty consistent basis. So let's talk special teams. JoJo Earl, a big part of that. Uh, We saw him check in as the punt returner, caught a few glimpses of that potential there at that spot. What was it? Two returns for 45 yards. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's a nice start for the freshman. And we also caught kind of the equivalent, the place kicking equivalent of Haley's Comet, where (laughs) Will Reichert is concerned. He missed a field goal. He missed a kick, Charlie. I guess it was just that kind of second half, right? Yeah. uh, You know, starting with Will, um, I think – Maybe that is is a little bit of pressure of just knowing that everybody is you know very well aware of how many kicks he's made in a row and how long it's been since he's missed one. So I think for that to happen in a game like this, it's almost beneficial and takes some pressure off his shoulders. 
Um, it was a 34 yard kick. You know, we've talked about how he's usually money from 35 yards and in, but, uh, you know, he did go out and make a 40 yarder, uh, in the fourth quarter, which is, you know, you, you like to see. So I, I think again, though, it'll, it'll probably be beneficial for him in the long run, knowing that he doesn't have that hanging over his head. But I think for the most part, um, you know, outside of the penalties, uh, which Nick Saban said were ridiculous mm-hmm. after the game. Uh, you know, seeing JoJo Earl and what he can do as a returner, and that's really where Nick Saban likened him to, to Jalen Waddle. It's his ability as a returner. I think is promising. Um, you know, they saw that Mercer was just going to punt in the ball, and so they decided to try it number ten out there. And he, I mean, he did what you said. He had two returns for forty-five yards with a long of twenty-nine, and um, I think that's encouraging. Just to have that that threat back there again. Um, you know, is, is something that Alabama likes to see. And then it was a better overall day for James Burnup, the punter. Um, he had three punts and averaged over 43 yards a punt with a long of 44. Um, I think he's continuing to get more and more comfortable. I and mean, this is the first time that he's actually punted in a game. And, uh, and this is a big week for him, uh, you know, going on the road and uh, in a hostile environment to see how he performs. So I think that'll be something I'll be watching on Saturday as well. Yeah, Burnup's going to be kind of like sausage. Okay, and I know you're wondering exactly where the hell yeah, is Travis going with this analogy. <laughs> but you know it always comes back around to food for me. You know that. Um, look, don't worry about how it's made. Just know you like the way it tastes, okay? Gotcha. So I guess what I'm saying is it probably isn't always going to look great in the air coming off of James Burnup's foot. But if he gives you 43, 44 yards per punt like he did against Mercer on a consistent basis, just know that you like the taste of that. Am I making sense with that now? No, that makes sense, yeah. I didn't know where it was going. (laughs) And you know better than to ask, too. You know, Charlie, he knows this deal after after all these years around me. No doubt about that. So, yeah, Burnup was a high point, and obviously Chris Braswell with the block punt. That was, yep. you know, you didn't go into the game thinking, okay, on the, the the list of items Alabama might need to get jump started in this game, a block punt, you know, and and but that's that's exactly the way it happened, and it's it's good to know that you still have sort of that non-offensive touchdown capability other than just the defense in providing those if you need them. Yeah. I mean, you know, with Ali Caho now being at UCLA, we've seen him block a punt since he's joined the Bruins. Um, you know, Alabama misses that on special teams, but you know, we saw Chris Braswell do an effective job, uh, you know, coming off of the, the right side of the line and, and blocking it and Jace McCullough scooping it up for a score. So, yeah, I mean, I, you're right. I mean, I, I didn't anticipate be that being the kind of game changer for Alabama because right after that happens, then you see uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry pick off a pass, give the ball back to the offense, and then they start to get rolling. But uh, it happened, and uh, yeah, it, it is good to see the non-offensive touchdowns back because it's been, what, since Smitty took a punt return back against Arkansas, Arkansas. last year that they've done yeah. that. Yeah, all over it. Charlie Potter's always all over it. We're all over it here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast? We would certainly appreciate it. It's simple as a click or two. It's absolutely free. And if you would leave us a rating and a review while you're there, that would help us out a great deal as well. So, Charlie, kind of give us the overview of the rest of the week leading up to the big matchup with the top 15 Gators on Saturday afternoon on CBS. Uh, Standard week, right, in terms of preparation, player availability, Nick Saban availability. 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's still all the same. Uh, it'll be virtual, but we'll have, you know, a few players tomorrow. Um, and then, uh, Wednesday will be the SEC teleconference and coach Saban's post-practice press conference. And, you know, maybe we'll, uh, we won't get a rant this week. He sounded in a little bit of a better mood this morning. Uh, and then Thursday is the radio show. And then after that, I'll be you know, hitting the road and going to, to Gainesville and, and, you know, taking in my first trip to the swamp, uh, after this, before Texas and Oklahoma joined the conference, um, I still need to go to Kentucky. I got you. Um, yeah, that's true. It's then, been a long time. What, well, I will 2012 say 2012 or so. It 13? was, it was 2013 because yeah. it was my senior year and, uh, uh I, I, I was supposed to go. I went to every other game that season, but they told us uh, at the Crimson and White that we could only get one seat in the press box. And I was at the time the assistant sports editor. And then, you know, I'm, I go back home and you know, I'm watching it uh, at the campgrounds, my sister's RV with the family. And, um, you know, Mark Torrance, our sports editor at the time, sends me a picture. And we had two seats in the press box. So, uh, oh, geez. Uh, ass is still a little chapped about that. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Kentucky, I think, is coming up pretty soon, so I can be able to knock it off here in the next year or so. Yeah, it's a pretty fun trip up to Lexington. Usually it's a feel-good trip, but Mark Stoops, even though I guess Alabama did drop, what, a 60 bomb on the yeah. Wildcats <laughs> last season, um, you know, he's at least got the folks up there excited in horse racing country. But, uh, yeah, I look forward to being there with you on Saturday from Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Throughout the week, we're going to have you covered you know, Hank South, Tim Watts, from a recruiting respect perspective, it's a big week. So there'll be a lot of those angles thrown around on the recruiting trail as well. We're going to have complete coverage for you at BamaOnline.com. And be sure to join us, of course, right there on the roundtable, the premium, premium message board of choice for Alabama fans everywhere, the roundtable right there at BamaOnline.com. Thanks, as always, Charlie. No problem, man. It's always good to catch up. Absolutely. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us right here on the Bama Online Podcast. We'll talk to you again real soon.